Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. Psychic Hurling Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy, joined this week by Rory Walsh. Rory, how are things? Not too bad, Mark. Yourself? All good. I suppose, uh, Rory, we'll focus in on the All-Ireland Prelim quarterfinal review. We'll also look at the revamp. Plenty of people have been talking about it, so I might get your thoughts there, Rory, in terms of how would you revamp the All-Ireland series. Quarterfinal preview, obviously, we have a doubleheader in the TUS Gaelic Grounds. Limerick injury was, well, Declan Hannan being confirmed as an absentee for the All-Ireland Senior Hurling semi-final. And also, Rory, I know you have an interest in terms of the Camogie, uh, the Senior Championship. Let's maybe have a roundup. I know a few games have been played in that championship. So I suppose, Rory, let's cut to the chase. The All-Ireland prelim quarterfinal. Uh, we had Carlo Anofli in the mix. I know last week when Kieran and myself were on, we'd kind of asked for maybe the two teams to be competitive. And I suppose Netwatch Cullen Park, it certainly was the case. But unfortunately for Offaly, the Thunder and Lightning wasn't the only thing that they had to contend with on that Saturday against Tipperary. Yeah, and we kind of, uh, we were having our own discussion about this prior to the games and kind of figured that Carlo might be the one to to give the closer performance as well. Uh, don't think Dublin are, are in the same league as Tipperary. And then also as well, like Carlo are a more physical team then um, Offaly, and when it comes to you know being at home in a match like that, trying to ambush a team from the Leinster Championship, I think the the physicality w- would be a, bit, a big player in it. And look, up until 60 minutes, they were well in the game. Um, fell away badly in the last 10. Um, again, look, you're probably, the, the effort maybe to kind of hang in there, because it was a time where it stretched to five points, and Carlo kind of, you know, rallied again and got it back to two, missed a chance to get it back to one point. And then Dublin went up and hit two or three quick points. And that was kind of the end of it from that point of view. But Carlo were really competitive. Big performances, you know, from Chris Nolan uh, and free, Marty Kavanagh as well. Um, Paddy Boland, uh, who had done fierce damage in the Joe McDonough final. Like, he was winning ball. Like, he's a great pause. We saw that game. But, like, you could just see the difference of opposition um, against uh, Offaly in the in the Joe McDonough final. He had that space to cause damage. He scored 1-4 that day. Against Dublin, he was winning ball, but he was just snuffed out immediately. Couldn't offload the ball, couldn't get his shot away. And it just shows, uh, if, if ever you wanted to see the difference between, you know, um, how difficult it is to get a score against uh, in the Joe McDonough Championship compared to against a Dublin or a Tipperary, I think that was that was uh, evident in just the, the amount of ball he won that he couldn't um, get a strike on. But look, uh, again, look, uh, positive from Carlo. Um, but at the same time then, you had the opposite in um, Tullamore where Offaly were, you know, from, from after five minutes, like this game was, was dead and buried after five minutes. And it probably is more of an indicator of the real gulf, I think, between the Joe McDonough and the top tier of counties. And it's strange, like this gulf seems to be growing. Um, and it's something we'll have to get on to in a bit. Saying that, Offaly scored 318, which actually showed, um, you know, it showed good heart in the team that they didn't like completely fall away. Like 318 is a huge score. And in fact, before yeah. the game, if you were told that Offaly would score 318, you'd think, you know, they'd be right in there. But, like, conceding 738, uh, you know, it's it's probably one of the biggest championship scores ever put up. So, look, it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it was kind of a, definitely a kind of a Jekyll and Hyde between if you're looking at both counties as to the current format, is it worthwhile um, from an Offaly point of view? And Johnny Kelly himself came out afterwards and said he doesn't think that the current championship the way it is. It, he, th- he thinks it needs a refix and he, and they benefited from going from Joe McDonough straight into an All-Ireland preliminary quarterfinal. Um, look, hard to gauge where Tip are after it, to be honest. Um, 
Dublin probably got more of a, of a game going into the quarterfinal in terms of um getting players up to championship pace because like Tipperary like had had the freedom of the park their forwards like and and you know that as Claire found up Nennis as well. If you give the tip forwards any space at all, their striking is so clinical ball to hand that they will eventually end up with a guy able to stand, look, and strike and uh, to, to put the ball over the bar under no pressure because they're they're so clever at picking out the loose player. Um so yeah, look o- overall it, it was disappointing for Offaly. Uh, I thought I thought they're going to be closer than like, I thought they were going to win handy, but I didn't think it was going to be, you know, as fast as a victory as it was. And Carlo as well, like they they were right in there. Had they got a goal at that stage when they got it back to a point or two, who knows? Because Dublin were rattled. But uh, in fairness to Dublin, they finished the game out strong. And I think the last ten minutes from Dublin will will give them a you know a real kind of a bit of a jolt of confidence going down playing clear. And because remember against Galway, their last ten minutes up in Crow Park in their previous game, they completely fell asunder. And so to finish the game so strong, I'm sure that was what was spoken about by Donoghue um, since that game. And uh, look, they have, I suppose, with Sutcliffe, Boland, and of course, Donald Burke in there, they do have players that can, you know, really hit, um, put scores up on the scoreboard. So, Claire would have to be wary. Um, in fairness, Carlo did shackle them as well, f- fairly well. So, yeah, look, um, <clears throat> going into it, uh, look, we, we we knew that it was going to be Dublin to prayer. That's how it transpired. And I don't think that should be the case at this stage of championship that you can just easily pick the two teams going through the bookies had said it all too you know so yeah yeah like uh, look i went to tullamore <laughs> dodged the thunder and lightning in the second half but i mean to be perfectly fair the golfing class uh there rory from the first 10 minutes now i think Tipperary probably with Liam Kyle and michael bevan's feedback and roaring before the game really did they did start incredibly well mark Keogh's goal they were one seven to no score up before Awfully registered to score. 318 from turnover ball as well. And when you considered like Jason Ford, Jake Morris chipped in with 218 combined. Yeah, I mean, it was just unfortunately for Offaly, I think the schedule, the season really caught up with them. I don't think they're as bad a side as that. And speaking to a few locals there, they were a little bit stunned and surprised. But there was a few injuries to contend with, particularly Clancy uh, with a rib injury during it. I know Lally, Nally basically had a, a fractured hand. Oh, Cal tears the hamstring, unfortunately, during the game. And they've had multiple ACLs here as well. So the squad depth here, the scheduling of seven games, seven weeks, and Joe McDonough, I think that all conspired. And I think a very motivated Tipperary, Tipperary team who've had a three-week break, I think it just stars aligned, unfortunately, uh, for Offaly. But I suppose, look, Carlo, um, nine points from play uh, during the 70 minutes, kind of told its whole story. I thought... Dublin's backline was absolutely superb on the day, like Marty Kavanagh, Boland, as you say. Nolan did chip in with a few scores in Nolan um, as well. But, I mean, to be fair to Dublin, vastly improved perform in the second half. Got the run game destroyed, Carlo, particularly in that final quarter. And we'd kind of highlighted that Carlo didn't really have a bench to call on in the John McDonough Cup final when it was required. Didn't have anything. I think Mark Rogan from Dublin, though, was probably just the talking point, I think, because he's a guy that I didn't really know much about. But I thought his, his movement for the goal uh, at 40 minutes really was a key turning point. Keno Sullivan as well really did turn the screw as well. But look, in fairness to Carlo, all we expect him to do is give him a rattle. And so it proved. So I think from that perspective, you know, at least in that watch, Cullen Park was competitive. Obviously, awfully, Johnny Kelly has basically had his say. But I suppose here, um, Rory, heading into the off-season, let's say you're part of a GA committee that's reviewing the championship format here. How would you revamp the championship here to allow 
and I kind of said it in my post on Facebook, you have teams in Joe McDonough now caught in no man's land. They're striving to get into Liam McCarthy, but they don't have the opportunity to play top teams. I suppose, how would you revamp things? Yeah, well, I don't think, to be honest, that the runner-up in the Joe McDonough should get into the Ireland series. If you're going to have an incentive of uh, Joe McDonough team being in the championship, and I'd say the reason when it first happened was to encourage teams that had a place in Leinster to step down like your leash and Offaly, teams that were traditionally in the Leinster Championship, that you had to have that incentive of, well, if you win, if you get to the John McDonough final, you're going to still have a rattle, uh, you know, at, at one of the bigger counties. So um, I, th- I presume that's why, the, in the original thinking, why the two John McDonough teams were there. I think having won the win- the winning team, I think it's enough of an incentive. Yeah. I don't know if you, if you lose, the John McDonough should be brought in. So then the question is, which team plays them? So, um, and it was a, su- a suggestion I've seen once or twice and, and uh, one of our one of our own guy had during the week as well was to bring in the National League winners because one of the other biggest disappointments this year was the National League this year was the worst I can ever remember in terms of commitment of teams. Like I can hand in heart say the only game that felt any bit with a bit of bite in it was the Waterford Tipperary match that you know had a bit of championship bite. Every other game was just, you know a, a stroll out like and yeah, so yeah. like it, it's. I know it's a fact it's kind of earlier in the year and because of the split season, but to give an incentive, if you're the National League champions, if if they don't qualify from their province, then that they play the Joe McDonough champions. Um, if they do qualify, then maybe the four team in that province, something like you might see in England sometimes for the, the Champions League places, if a team wins an FA, FA Cup, then it goes down to the next team. Um, it's something to think about. But first of all, I do think there has to be an incentive to win the league and bring that in with a championship that the league champions... Um, if they finish fourth or fifth in their group, that they would then play the, the Joe McDonough champions in a preliminary quarterfinal. That would be, that's one solution anyway. Yeah. Um, do you then put fourth and fifth in Leinster and Munster, let's say the team then that, that doesn't qualify, do they play relegation semifinals too? Have two relegation semifinals to bring the, the Munster team in? Like looking at it this year, I don't see how he, like Waterford who finished uh, bottom this year, like we're ever going to get relegated, but like maybe they should be playing a relegation one at the same time. And if they're good enough, they'll win it. So yeah. um, so that, that's another factor too at the other end of things. I think the problem here, and Johnny Kelly, the manager of Offaly, touched on it afterwards, the championship needs revamping, but with Munster championship being so entertaining this year, like to go at the championship, you have to go at both provinces and the GA won't want to touch the Munster championship. It's the revenue it took in this year from a financial point of view, the quality of the games, so why would you go at something that's so successful? And the reason they would have to go at it is because the Leinster Championship at the moment, we said from the very start, Galway Kenny Leinster final, that's how it transpired. Um, it's become too predictable. Um, and there are teams like, some people made a good argument that would Waterford or Cork this year, had they been in Leinster, have qualified as top three? And I would absolutely think if either of them were in the Leinster Championship, they would have qualified top three. So it is a bit uneven, um, but look, that can be, that's the nature of things. We had a few years ago there where um, you had a competitive Leinster Championship when Wexford and Dublin were turning over Galway and Kilkenny quite regularly and Wexford beat Kilkenny this year, but just the fact they're already out of it, but then it was a relegation game for Wexford um, with two rounds to go, like you could, it was, Leinster was done and dusted more or less, um, whereas Munster went up to the last like seconds of injury time. So that's the dilemma for the GAA. Um, if they want to revamp the whole thing, um, they're going to have to go at the provincial championships and they won't want to touch the Munster Championship. Um, so how you, you reject it, they're limited then on what they can do. 
So you're looking at, um, I think, one team from Joe McDonough and maybe bring in your National League champion somehow into it. It would improve the league. Uh, any team that gets to the semi-final of the league, whether by accident or not, will then really want to go out and win that league just to be guaranteed that they're still in the championship. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Um, definitely, I think the relegation should be a part of it. The days of Leinster, the bottom team going down, I think that needs to be rectified. As you say, if you're good enough, you'll stay up. So I think from that perspective, there should definitely be some sort of relegation playoff between the bottom two of each province to basically see who goes down. I mean, there has to be a focus. To, like, I mean, unfortunately for Waterford, this is the second year here that they're down the bottom of the table. I think there needs to be a focusing on minds, and that would be quite clear in terms of a relegation dogfight to stay up. So I think from that perspective, it's fine. But I'm even thinking in terms of Joe McDonough teams here, just in terms of the preseason, the league, does the league even have to be looked at here? You know, you kind of have 1A, 1B, and 2A. Could you just amalgamate them all and basically divide into maybe different pools where you have home and away, and maybe you could split into four groups, top two going to a quarter final, bottom of each four um, groups get into a relegation playoff of some sort to maybe give... I'm just thinking of Carlo next year as well, Rory, because they're getting into Joe McDonough Cup. They're now going to be playing 2A um, Hurling. Again, we're kind of seeing now that there is a, a significant gap here. So I'm just wondering here in terms of the league organisers, can we experiment? Can we try out things even for a year or two year here? To, um, Johnny Kelly's basically said loud and clear, they need more exposure to the bigger counties. Yes, there will be considerable losses, but they need to learn. They need to get to, uh, get to grips with the standard here. And I think the Joe McDonough is a great competition. I would leave that as is. But I think definitely in the league, I think the competitive standards would definitely be elevated here to a certain degree. If you had maybe kind of a combination of the high caliber teams with some of the teams in Joe McDonough sprinkled in, you know, and even if you kind of based it on rankings of or seeds of some sort, the way that's happening at the moment in the football. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a difficult one here for the GA organizers, but they definitely have to do something because um, definitely with that awfully performance, it really does kind of bring out everyone out there, unfortunately. And Mark, if you're a Joe McDonough team next year in management and you're looking at the team that won it this year, Carlo, and you're saying, what was their blueprint? Like Carlo went into the league this year and there was games where they were beaten by Kildare by, was it nearly 20 points in one match? Oh, like, 25 points in the first round. Yeah. 20, yeah. They paid no attention to the league and ended up uh, winning Joe McDonough. So if that's your blueprint, then there's something wrong with the league. So it does have to be touched on. Um, or does it does have to be uh, fixed next year as well. And Johnny Kelly, I think, got it right too. Like, how can Offaly play uh, Division 2 or for, for the league, then play Joe McDonough, and then be expected to go out against Tipperary? And all of a sudden, a team that have not played at that standard in like over maybe two years and put in a big performance at home, it's just not right. So uh, make the league... More, more of an incentive in the league and include these teams. The any team from Joe McDonough up should be playing whatever way you, you start out the, your groups. As you said, you, you'd end up with maybe sixteen teams. Then go with your four groups of four. Keep yeah. everybody involved. Then into some sort of so they get a fifth, uh, fourth game into quarterfinals and then let it split into teams going for the league title and then teams trying to avoid relegation. Take it from there. But uh, it would, you'd still end up with each team getting minimum four games that way. Most teams will get five, and I think they'd be quite happy. A lot of counties, four games would be enough for for 
looking at the way teams approach it the last few years. But as we mentioned, get to the knockout stages and you're going to want to go for the title. You have an incentive now. And uh, don't get to the knockout stages and you'll still have a meaningful game. Nobody will want to be relegated either. So, And I think you touched upon the league champions as well. I think uh, I fully agree with you there. There's been an awful lot of cat and mouse, almost, you know, you know, real kind of chess, you know, like not showing full hands, but certain counties do endorse the league by putting the county league winners into a quarterfinal or into a last 16 of a county championship. I think that incentive certainly would need to be looked at here as well, even if it's the runners up, even if you're going down to even a semi-final level, just even to kind of get the, the ladder like in the AFL or even if you had round robin games here to kind of lead into your all Ireland prelim, so be it. So I, I think it, the league needs a little bit of credence here, um, given the cat and mouse. Now, 2A was far different, but 1A, 1B, geez, we can count them probably in one hand and even <laughs> less than two fingers, probably uh, the real standout games during the league, really, uh, to be perfectly honest here, uh, Rory. But look, all for GA organisers. And I think there's plenty of hurling minds out there, and I would hope that the GA president the GA commission or competitions committee really do have a look at the hurling calendar because even the Joe McDonald club seven games in seven weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to rip squad depth charts left, right and center. And I mean, Johnny Kelly did mention it in the post game interview that the horrific injuries that awfully sustained during the yeah. year. And these weren't like, you know, kind of an ankle sprain. These are significant injuries like the hamstring tear for own Cal, you know, even ACLs, even during the start of the season. I think to be perfectly fair to GA scheduling here, they have to be fair to the to the teams that are trying to get to the Lee McCarthy level. They're not giving them a chance. Like even Carlo, you saw in the last 10 minutes, they ran out of steam and obviously the calendar, the scheduling did catch up with them as well. So I think GA organizers, you have to give fair play to teams that are going to enter into this competition and give them the supports required and that certainly I don't think happened this year and even last year. Like apart from Leash against Dublin in an All Ireland qualifier, who else has really sprung an upset? It's always been kind of the routine, kind of more than eight, ten. That's been the only one. That's been the only one. Antrim last year gave Cork a good game up in Carrigan Park. Yeah, gave him a rattle as well. Yeah, very similar to the Carlo Dublin game. They stayed with him for sixty minutes and fell away. Um, but uh, give a team a rattle for sixty minutes and then to actually bring it home are two completely different things. And yeah. uh, just to have the that bench and just. Uh, and to, to finish out games like that, you need to be playing these teams. You need to figure out ways of, of staying with them in the last 10 minutes. And uh, by not getting a chance to play them until maybe 12 months time again, it's just uh, the league is a perfect opportunity to do that. Um, I think but like putting them up, as you said, jumping on is a great competition to kind of promote these teams already into a championship. When they're not there yet, either you're going to end up with like cricket score games if, if it isn't done correctly. It has to be. But look, and uh, Donald O'Cusick touched on this as well. The GAA really need to invest in these counties that are, aren't far off. Antrim probably still need that, but like with the population and Belfast and uh, like Antrim really have the population resources at hand with the Casement Park coming and everything like that to make the next step. Um, but again, they need GAA's help here. They need a huge effort in terms of getting coaching in their uh, secondary schools, for example. Um, like I can't remember uh, any Ulster team really being being competitive at all in the, you know, in the Crow Cup, and like that's something they have to look at as well. Because as we know, secondary school success, as we saw with Tulla and Clare underage, like it links hand in hand. Arts Galrish and Limerick, 
um, schools as well. Uh, Turley CVS, uh, De La Salle a few years ago at Waterford, being successful and suddenly Waterford were winning the Ireland under 21 a couple of years later. Look, it's something that they have to target as well. And uh, Don Logue is right. Like there, there are counties that, that will just need like a huge, and it has to be done over a period of years where a uh, huge investment is put in there to get hurling up. Some of these counties as well, like let's say they're, they're split dual counties and this is probably a snobbish hurling point of view. But they're they're never going to be successful in football, like they're not like with the, they're closer in Ireland and they don't realize it, you know. They're, they're up against like we're talking about some Leinster counties like Dublin and like Kildare are getting stronger all the time underage football. Meath have been on a you know a period where they've been a, a sleeping giant for a few years, like so. I just getting harder and harder. Whereas in in Ireland, like there isn't that many counties for them, and they're not that far down the pecking order at all whatsoever. It'll just take real effort and investment. Like we've seen it with Offaly underage already. How in a few years you can start competing against these counties again and winning, you know, Leinster titles underage, getting to All Ireland finals. Um, Clare showed how quickly it can turn around as well. It, even though in the last few years, um, Clare have you know more of attrition in some of these things, but, but Clare were in the doldrums underage, and winning All Ireland minor this year and being the Munster under twenty final. So it it can happen really quickly with the right structures in place. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there. Uh... Look, I think there needs to be a significant retrospective in terms of the season as a whole here. I think it's no good just to say continue with the norms here. You know, we've announced 1A, 1B. I think there's always time to change, and particularly at the start of the year, just to basically change it up. And you'd hope, as I said here earlier on in this podcast, that we can literally have some good hurling minds like Donal Logue or Jackie Terrell or guys of that stature to come in and make proposals here and let's kind of experiment let's try them out here and see how to get more counties involved here that's the, the whole key i'm just thinking in terms of the joe mcdonough cup if there's no structures in place here rory the unfortunate thing is that these counties will lose interest fairly quickly the goodwill you know the hurling community and in terms of football being as you say 50 50 if there's a little bit of success in the football, that the hurling takes the back seat. So I think it's imperative for the GA and Crow Park really to kind of really focus minds here, uh, for sure. But look, um, for Tipperary, on to play Galway in the TUS Gaelic grounds. Dublin facing Clare. This is going to be an absolutely sensational uh, Saturday in the TUS Gaelic grounds this weekend here, uh, Rory. I suppose we can start probably with the first game, which is Clare-Dublin. I suppose Clare coming off that one-point loss to Limerick. I mean, an awful lot of positives there. They've had the two week to regroup against Dublin, who I think the second half performance from Michal O'Donoghue, I think probably was satisfying and pleasing. They got a good enough test against Carlo. So, I mean, from a clear perspective here, Rory, uh, what are the vibes coming out of the county after Munster final and what are you expecting on Saturday night? Yeah, I suppose looking back, comparing this to last year's Munster final, last year Clare lost the game uh, by three months after extra time and we're kind of getting all these kudos and lots of praise and you know as a player that probably hurt you a bit that like you had you lost the game the, like moral victories are worth nothing and in the end this year um lost by a point and it's like there's the opposite they're not getting the same you know the same love from people it's you know it was a game that was there for the taking probably should have crossed the line with the chances they had the only thing i'd say is like they've lost the game and it was you can easily identify the areas that need to be worked on sometimes you lose a match and you're going god because small bits of Small little things might have cost you, but in this, like, it was easy to identify, like, the shot selection, um, especially a bit of panic in the last 10 minutes when they need to get scores on the board as well. Also, like, getting the matchups wrong um, from a management point of view. 
as you you went through last year or last week on the podcast as well like getting matchups wrong as well um was another issue and look that's just something that you can clearly see how to improve from one week to another if if they can you know getting that improvement is another thing but i sooner be that way in the management that it's easily to identify what needs to be fixed um rather than trying to figure out what went wrong is a harder situation so uh, in both players get defeats so far again in the Tipperary game it was the same thing you could easily identify what needed to be fixed and in fairness they said about that over the, the rest of the round robin like they definitely were improving match and match yeah it, it what, what um what, what probably struck me a bit about the Munster final was Limerick weren't at their best and Clare weren't at their best either Clare hadn't performed I thought as well as they had in some of the other games and it was still there to be to be won at the very end and didn't get over the line but uh from like dublin going to be dangerous um like you have three scores there you have uh keen Boland can with his pace can cause huge problems donald burke is you know a phenomenal scorer um you know and danny suckliffe as well can be you know one of these mercurial players can be brilliant you know at times like if those three hit form together you know and, and for example kelly and o'donnell have an off day at the other end or even a red card or something um claire could be in trouble but i don't see it like i think if if we now come out and don't perform after being so consistent in Munster. Like we still reached a level of performance in the Munster final that put us in a point of winning it against you know a team that were one five in a row. Like so, we're, we're clear right up there. But we have to now build on that and get stronger through the All Ireland Championship this year. And the first step is is um on Saturday. And look, um, a lot of people are delighted from, from Clare, Galway and Tiberi with the venue. Dublin seem to be the one crowd who are, you know, have obviously the furthest to travel down. Um, I think they seem to forget though that we're, we're making that journey anytime we get to the Ireland semi-final or final or whatever, like uh, the whole country goes to Dublin for games. So, you know, no harm to give their Harland supporters, you know, a championship match down in Limerick for a change. I can't remember the last time Dublin played a championship game below in Limerick. So, um, You'd hope that they'll bring a big following as well. Unbelievable. It should be a huge feast to hurling. Like, it's, you're looking at uh, Galway and Tipperary as well, which we'll get on to in a minute. Like, just so hard to predict the winner there. Um, but uh, I think the first game, like, it's it's the easier one to predict. Clare should win this game. And I would be thinking, like, they really need to put in a big performance now as well. It's kind of needed. It's needed. They need to show this year, like, that what happened last year, you know, won't happen again that they've learned from it and that they're you know building on, on it the only thing from Claire point of view as well is I know David Reedy was back playing with a rogue last week so um, they didn't pick up any major injuries against Limerick uh, there wasn't extra time so they've had two weeks to regroup they've had that week extra week to maybe look at Dublin now and go back to their Leinster games identify areas of strengths and weaknesses like you're looking even that you learn so much from watching the Galway game as to their threats from the first half and you know where Galway really got at him in the second half as well and uh, yeah, I, I I'd still think as well that if if Clare in a situation like against Wexford last year, where it comes down to the last few minutes, I just think um, from what we've seen from Dublin so far, like their bench will be nowhere near as strong as Clare's. So Clare need to keep uh, calm if they're in a situation where they're facing Dublin or right in there with a few minutes to go. You'd think that we should finish the stronger as well, and even having that extra week off because Dublin, you know, got a tough game down in Cardo last week should make a big difference as well. Yeah, sure, absolutely, Roy. I suppose looking at injury news here, almost half and Karen Collins did uh, kind of feel an awful lot of sympathy for Keen Nolan in terms of that fullback slot for Clare. What's the situation with Connor Cleary at the moment, uh, Roy? Do you feel that he'll make it? And if he doesn't, who's going to be the the option to fill in for Cleary if he's not fit? 
Yeah, well, when the initial injury came, we heard it was, you know, he dislocated his shoulder. You're thinking like six weeks is if there isn't a surgery needed, which doesn't seem to be the case that he didn't need any surgery. You're thinking like six weeks for, for things to get knitted together. It's an injury I suffered myself a few times, like, and, uh, you know, um, to hear that he was back training for the Munster final. Now, being training, like, could be him jogging up and down the sideline as well, as opposed to actually taking full part in training. So, um, you know, and seeing him named as a team, we all thought, you know, miracle had happened and his shoulder had mended in uh, three weeks as opposed to six. This kind of puts him at five weeks. So I would say he's like, for traditional, he's one week too early. Are you going to risk him or are you maybe going to, if he if he's in an okay you know situation that he can get through warmth and everything fine, are you going to maybe keep him in reserve if, if needed and hope not to have to use him at all? Um, like as we saw Shane Amore did well when he came in the last day, you can start Shana or Paul Flanagan rejig the backs around a bit as well. Um, like Key Nolan could, would do a, a fine and a certain type of player uh, as well, you know. Trying to mark Aaron Galen with 45 yards of space in front of him is difficult for any cornerback. Probably, like, will, you know, deserve a chance again to show that he he is up to it. Like, uh, it just felt, as you said there, felt sorry for him because even when he got a yellow card, you'd be, you'd be thinking, like, you make a switch or you you know, make a substitution at that stage, but to leave him there with a yellow card on, there's not much you can do if, if the forward wins a the ball then and is going through a goal and you're on a yellow card because then get sent off if you make the next foul. So, look, um, yeah, there is a couple of things that that's one thing Clare have to fix is if Conor Cleary isn't there, they need the full-back line to be a lot more solid and they need a half-back line to give a lot more cover as well. And it is an area, like as we mentioned, Dublin's main threats are that pace with, with Boland, uh, Barkinside as well. Rogan, as you pointed out as well. Um, so look, they have. Uh, there's like it is definitely they can definitely cause cause Claire huge problems, but uh, I think Claire needs to be thinking of what setting up themselves properly, and uh, build from there. So I, I'd be surprised if Connor Cleary starts, but he might make might make the the match the squad all right and be kept in reserve if if really needed. To be fair to Dublin, an awful lot of things have to go right for him on the day. I think with Claire now the two week break, we've seen with the three week break how Tipperary got invigorated, energized last weekend. I know it was against Offaly, but I thought their level of performance and their intensity was through the roof. I can see the same here for Claire, particularly. Now for Dublin, I think it's going to be the middle third where they're going to have to really dictate pay, play here. Burke at half back seems to be a focal point in terms of those short puckouts. I would say in terms of Sutcliffe, likes a crummy here. Donald Burke, obviously, on the freeze is unerring. We've talked about him at length, haven't we, during this podcast series. You know, he is probably one of the de facto all-stars right now if we kind of stop the season right now. But I think in terms of that middle third, I think Clare should hold aces here. I think Colm Malone had an outstanding muster final. If he continues that kind of vein of form, you look at Shane O'Donnell as well against Owen, um, Owen O'Connell, here, O'Connell here as well. I think from that perspective... The movement of this Clare forward line is going to be quite significant, I think, for Dublin. Now, in fairness to Dublin, they're coming to the ground here in Gaelic Grounds. The surface is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the redevelopment of the Gaelic Grounds has just been absolutely, completely world-class. I think from that perspective, that will revel into Clare forward line in terms of their pace, their movement. I can see big moments here for Tony Kelly as well. And look, I think for Dublin, they showed it against Galway, particularly in that last round-robin game. They had a good 40, 45 minutes, but again, as you said, when the questions were asked for Galway, when they pushed up on the puck out, there really wasn't anything there. Um, and they can't really go 15, 20 minutes here against Clare. 
uh, particularly in that second half without responding. So, look, I, I think Clare will be warm favourites. I think the only thing here is if Dublin change it up a little bit, go a little bit direct into the full full back line, maybe Sutcliffe, maybe big man up front, just maybe test out the Clare full back line. But I think that's kind of a long shot. I think you'd think Brian Lohan, James Moore, the Clare management will have already sussed that out and maybe identify that person in. Look, I think we talked last week, uh, Rory, about David McInerney being potentially that kind of take one for the team, go back to the fullback, you know, and just basically after that, then hopefully Connor Cleary's back for an All-Ireland semi-final. But I'll be with you here. I think Clare hold the aces here. And really, I think uh, it's all for Dublin to really prove and impress on on Saturday. I suppose the second match here, uh, uh, Rory, is the one that I think an awful lot of people have been looking forward to for quite a long time. A resurgent Tipperary against a Galway team that had the Leinster title, Bob O'Keefe, there until Killian Buckley thought otherwise with that last-minute goal in the Leinster Hurling final. With two teams here that have a historic rivalry, I'd say the banter around Bursacane and Portone has been fierce this week. I think this has fireworks written all over it here. I think Galway, the motivation here to be Tipperary, I have no problem in saying that Galway will be well up for this game. How do you feel this game will go? Yeah, so compared to the first game where you've Dublin kind of coming down with a free hit, let's say, not expected to win, and can this is completely different. Like these are both teams that um, will be expecting to win, will have be full of confidence in their own way. Going back to Galway, I think the what we saw from Galway in the first ten minutes of the Leinster final, and also that period in the second half where they came from a six seven point deficit to lead by two, that was some of the best hurling, if not the best hurling we've seen in the championship. Yeah, but they have these lulls. After that first 10 minutes, they went in a, a huge all for Kilkenny, like just at them for, for the next 10. So God will have to find a balance here where they're, you know, it, it, where they can't afford this spell spells and games where they just switch off completely. We saw against Dublin uh, as well in the first half where it was just dire stuff. Um, now, a lot of that I thought against Dublin was maybe a small bit of, uh, I don't want to say arrogance, but kind of uh, overconfidence where they're, you know, like we saw TJ Brennan playing the ball back across his own goal and to be cut out, like stuff like that that you wouldn't imagine they'd dare do against Kilkenny. So they, they learned a lesson that day. I just, I don't know, I, I, I have a feeling here I'm, that Galway are going to win this game. Um, I'm going to say this again with Tipperary, I'm not fully sold in them yet. Resurgent, yes. Much improved from last year, yes. But they've, they had one win in the Munster Championship up, up in uh, Ennis where Clare gave him two or three goals at the start of the game. Now, Tip hurled really well that day as well. And as I mentioned, their Christmas and everything, like they, they managed the lead really well. Then after that, like like the Waterford performance is a big worry for me because they threw away a Munster final place there with a no-show against Waterford. A home game, a big tip crowd there in Thurlis and to perform like that, um, it gives big question marks. Are God a better team than Waterford? I think so. Um, tip are going to be obviously much improved from that performance. And the fact that the Offaly game turned into a bit of a shooter that I don't think helps them. I just think Galway here might... I think Galway have played in that Leinster final, those two spells have been the best Harlan we've, we've seen, as I said. And if they can like extend that and bring that, I, I just fancy Galway here. I think the Conor Cooney is hitting for... Um, uh, Conor Cooney, not Conor Cooney, uh, inside. Brian Cannon, sorry, hitting form there from the last day. Um, they're starting to... A lot of their bigger players are coming into it. Uh, starting to hit form the right time after being, you know, having a on and off during the Leinster Championship. Connor Whelan, 
was excellent the last day. And I don't know, like, Tip are going to have to really come up with a plan for Conor Whelan. And I don't know, I'm just looking through the Tip backline, thinking, who, who would you put in them? And I'm sure, like, Liam Cahill and Michael Beavens know this best, but putting the correct man on him and stopping him are two different things. And when he's in this form, he's close to unstoppable. So, yeah, look, I... I uh, I'm going to give Galway a bit of a nod here. If Tipperary go and beat Galway, they're absolute all Ireland contenders for me. But for me, they need that big win. They need that big win um, to, to show that they're right up there as contenders. And this would be it if, if it happens for them. But what a game to look forward to. Like, I'm just hoping that Claire do the business so I can enjoy the second match. <laughs> oh, well, uh, sure. Look, um, you know, hopefully, I, I think from a Claire perspective, it should be. But I, I think going back to Galway and Tipperary, there are question marks on both sides. I would say, even from a Galway perspective, that middle third, as you said, likes of Blankfield, Blankfield and Kilkenny halfback, really did have a great game. You know, when you considered the Kilkenny injuries that happened in the lead up to that game, I think it was rather key that, you know, there was a bit of a lull here. Again, Dahi Burke at halfback was being pulled out of position here, maybe isolating Gerald McInerney a little bit too much. But as you say, those cameos give Galway a bit of optimism. And I think if you run at this Tipperary backline, good things will happen. And I think the way that they actually ran through Kilkenny at times should be a, a bit of a confidence boost here for uh, Galway, for sure. Like Kevin Cooney as well has really come into his own the last few days. Um, games here with a few good points. Connor Whelan, timely intervention in the Hurland final. I mean, it's probably going to be Breen, the fullback here. Barry Heffernan's not in the panel from what I can gather. So, I mean, full-back options. Brian Amaro has tried. Desi Hutchinson kind of gave him the run-around in the last round-robin game. So, I think Craig Morgan comes back in the corner-back, but then had a, a hamstring cramp. So, I mean, from that perspective, I think there is question marks. Brian Concannon's a great foil for Conor Whelan inside. I think for Tipperary's-wise, I think it's going to be the movement of the forward line, particularly. Can they basically expose the likes of Dahi Burke and Gerald McInerney here? Um, because if they can, I think... They, they, they've shown repeatedly here you give them the space particularly when Claire did in the first game in the round robin awfully to their cost last weekend there's no better team in the country than Tipperary to rack up scores I mean Liam Cal has basically challenged the side to score 30 points now for the rest of the season uh, I think for Galway that is going to be the target here really to try to nullify and to be perfectly honest I think Galway have stabilised Jack Reedish from Gort in a cornerback I think that's a given here I would say now in terms of that half-back line of Galway and Joseph Cooney as well, re-protecting that full-back line at given stages. So, look, I, I think it's going to be a phenomenal setup. Um, again, going to be very hard one to call here. Uh, I, I think the, the Galway mindset, if this was anyone else, I think they may have come in with a bit of an indifferent attitude. The fact that they're going to see blue and gold across from them to US Gaelic grounds will inspire them no end. There's an awful lot of hype here in Galway in terms of this game. And the response, I, I think there is a, a performance here. That I generally do from Galway, but equally, I think Tipperary have to back up, as you say, key marquee win here and against a Limerick side that are going to be, know full well in terms of their own Robin what was Tipperary was capable of. I, I think I'm just going to hedge it here to Galway. I think just purely because of being battle hard, and I think the Offaly game, no disrespect to Offaly, is going to do no favours. But the fact that Offaly did score 318 here would indicate to me still fundamental problems in this backline. And particularly Dan McCormack getting Sidden right at the end, I think, really did kind of indicate to me here, is there a problem here, particularly in the wing-back positions for Tipperary? 
I'm thinking of Kevin Cooney here. I'm thinking of Joseph Cooney with runs from deep here. Because when Galway did impose their will against Kilkenny, it was that run game. And I think Henry Sheffield will be imploring that in Galway to really start attacking Tom Monaghan, attack from deep. So I think from that perspective, I think I will go for Galway, but I think it's going to be an absolute classic here. And, you know, I think Limerick be where whoever comes out of it. I mean, if Galway come into it, they have no fear of Limerick, given the recent historical history. And Tipperary against Limerick, their local derby game. So look, you can throw out the, uh, the form window, that's it. Yeah, I think the confidence of whatever team wins this, because this is a huge game mm. going into a semi-final. And again, there's a two-week break. It's not, it, it gives yeah. you a chance to recover as well. But bringing that confidence in um, from, from winning this game, this is a huge game um, for both counties. Uh, look, they're up. They're both All Ireland contenders. Like we can't say like uh, Tip did go toe to toe with Limerick. It's just a fact. Like and over the last two championships, they've won one win on the board. You know, um, now saying that they were competitive in every game once, apart from the Waterford match. From a Galway point of view, the, like Noel McGrath has been the engine of this Tipperary team this year. He's been sensational midfield, and when he gets on ball, his delivery is so good. Galway have to like if they can shut down Noel McGrath and shut off a lot of his delivery. It saves a lot of the you know the problems inside with Morris and Kelnan and, and Ford, you know. Um so that's something I'm sure that Henry Sheffield will be trying to to you know make a war zone of that middle third and uh, win that battle. And then as you said, uh, running at them seems to be a strength. Jason Flynn for me is is an enigma because I, I like Jason Flynn and I think um like we had that famous game a few years ago against Waterford where they were being annihilated. Jason Flynn came on and turned the whole thing. And I just don't think he gets a fair go at Galway. Um, even when he came on the last day, I thought he brought a bit of life to them again, uh, to the forward line. I think he's hard done by in Galway. And um, I think he's a, surely he deserves a start at this stage. Um, for me, like there's been a certain couple of players in Galway that seem to start all the time, regardless of, of how well they're going, based on maybe previous performances where they shot the lights out four or five years ago. And I just think that Shefflin needs to kind of like pick guys that are going well rather than reputations. And I think it, that's starting to maybe happen now. Um, Kyle Mannion, as we know, has, hasn't uh, hit the heights of last year or the year before yet, but that can happen. Like Galway have match winners. You look at like Mannion, Monaghan, uh, as we mentioned there, uh, Flynn inside, uh, Cooney as well. Like he's he's been um, very good to win his own ball as well. Joseph Cooney and also um, who, who really stood up when they were in trouble. Look, Galway have scores all over the pitch. As you said, the worry is their back line at the minute. Shipped a massive score in the first half against Dublin, uh, dragged all over the place. Same against Kilkenny at times. And uh, I, I know halfbacks want to get forward, but I think the Galway halfback line have this, uh, they need to be held back almost. They have this urge to kind of get forward too much and leave huge space in when things get turned over. Um, it's just something that, like, on paper, you're looking there and you're seeing, uh, you know, Burke, uh, the two Burke, Dahi Burke, uh, Finton Burke there, and you had um, a Mannion. And you're saying, geez, you know, you're saying, on paper, like what a half back line here, and you've Joseph Cooney to slap back in half back as well, and things are, and you're saying, that, but they haven't really like I didn't see them dominating there against Kilkenny, so it's just uh, something that that's that they need to like they have to to dominate that puck out if 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 Tipperary are going along the next day, and it'll give Galway a platform you know to to attack from, but uh, yeah, again, look as we know Tipperary can really hurt you, give them space. Limerick is a big pitch as well. Tipperary probably more used to it of late playing in Limerick. Um, than Galway have been, and um, it's it, it's such a hard one to call. Really looking forward to it, and it really is like this is your knockout championship starting uh, from the round robin that starts like with this weekend, Clare Dublin. Like you're going to have um, by by the end of 
of uh, Saturday, you could potentially have uh, Clare out of the championship, although we don't think that might happen. Are you going to have Galway or Tip out? Who, uh, whoever wins that game, as we said, will straight away be promoted as an Ireland contender. So um, it just shows the importance of it. And uh, yeah, can't wait for it, really. Yeah, no, it's getting real now, isn't it? Like, it's there's no backdoor anymore. There's no next day out salvaging around Robin results to save your season. I think it's now do or die. And I think even from a Galway perspective, I'm thinking of, let's say conceivably, if Galway were to get knocked out by Tipperary now, this is a tough conversation between the Colby County Board and Henry Shefflin, year two of a year three program, where is it going? I mean, the All-Ireland semi-final last year was seen as progress and an awful lot of high hopes here. If there was to be a loss to Tipperary here, I think considerably, I think there will be speculation here in terms of maybe will both parties kind of terminate by mutual consent. So I think for Shefflin, he'll leave no stone unturned, but I think it's the Galway mindset here. If they're on the money, from the get-go, I, I think it is, you know, there for them. But again, this temporary threat, like Liam Cahill and Michael Bevan's year one, obviously, of uh, their managerial reign, I think they do need the marquee result here to really kind of fundamentally kind of review their season with satisfaction. That if they got to an All-Ireland semi-final, their live threats, I think it's a free hit then against Limerick because I think, you know, all the pressure will be on Limerick to deliver a win uh, in that All-Ireland sem- uh, semi-final. But I think, Look, I think that'll be a fantastic game. I think there'll be plenty of goals between these two, really, because the way the two half-back lines do like to express themselves, space will be opened up in front of the Galway full forward and Tipperary full forward line. And I think it is going to be a magnificent fixture, really. So, And again, the surface and the Gaelic grounds just phenomenal here. So I think for like Sigurd Hegarty or McInerney or even Michael Breen here, I think it could be a busy, busy yeah. evening here because, I mean, the quality of ball that could be coming in to both these full back lines is going to be pretty testing to say the least. Yeah, I, I just think like both team strengths are going forward with their you know, they've serious forwards like um if you were like to meet the random person street and ask like name name three god players, name two play, three tip players are gonna sh- shoot three forwards at you like because like that's where the where the stars are. So yeah, I agree it's gonna be a real high scoring game. An absolute shootout I'd say. But yeah. uh, it, but at the same time, it'll, it will be that team that does get that edge defensively that can close the space down. That'll probably going to come through. So for all the shooting at one end, it'll be that team that will just tighten things up in their own defence. Yeah, and I think it's a big game for both goalkeepers here, um, Rory. We haven't alluded to it, but like Aina Murphy and also Reese Shelley, who's come in and hasn't put a foot wrong for Tipperary. Yeah. I think the puck out distribution is going to be absolutely key. And I think... For certain opposition, like Anna Murphy's distribution has evolved in the last few seasons. But I've been equally impressed by Reese Shelley in terms of his accuracy, in terms of restarts here. I think that's going to be a key aspect on the game because I know Tipperary will like to really go go at it, you know, quick restarts. So I think for both teams here, it'll be imperative of their goalkeepers to get the radar on fairly quickly. And I'm even thinking of Brian O'Mara here, getting some quick early ball from uh Reece Shelley like what's from Aina Burke or Aina Mur- uh, Murphy here so I think that'll be a fascinating battle in terms of the the puck outs won here because I think Galway would revel in the high ball going in but I don't think Tipperary going to do that I think they're going to try to run through the lines that they have been doing try to get Jason Ford in in a roving role similar to Connor Cooney so I think there's something intriguing subplots here I generally do so look I think fireworks but I think we're tipping Galway just on the base of the battle hard in this place so far is it in the Leinster campaign and just Tipperary kind of maybe injuries kind of maybe kind of coming home yeah, through well, what's the story with Cahill Barrett Mark have you heard anything up in Tullamore the last day 
well, there was kind of rumours that he would be featuring, but like I think to be perfectly fair, it, it just shows the magnitude of the injury he sustained against Limerick, you know, this HIA and just um, everything else. Now, again, this was awfully... Now, there was rumour mill in terms of a challenge game that was played behind closed doors maybe a week or two before that Waterford game, that there was a few injuries there. So I think the likes of Bonnermar didn't feature. So there was one or two kind of notable absentees in that Tipperary's ha- panel. I think the assumption here is that the majority will come back. Mm-hmm. I think Halbar being one of them, uh, I think he should have recovered at this stage. I think now we're how many week four, week five after that Limerick game. So I think from that perspective, if he's not back, then I think you know that's kind of telling the tale of the tape here. But he's definitely required on Saturday night from a Tipperary perspective. It's great to see Craig Morgan back because even he's cameo at fifty minutes. He did show the pace. He just showed you know complete upgrade here and no disrespect to Johnny Ryan here either as well but I think it's just shown the depth and strength here particularly in that cornerback situation here for Tipperary but yeah Colin Barrett has to be in yeah, and I think straight away you're, you're, you you've somebody to immediately try and Conor Whelan you know exactly um, you know it, just the type marking that he, he's done it before he'll do it again but I think all indications from Tullamore was that Tipperary fans were relatively confident that Colin Barrett would uh, be back for a quarter final, and I think maybe that's probably the, the line from Cahill and Bevins, even though I don't think it was mentioned in post game really, to be honest. But there was other injuries at play here as well that should have cleared up anyway. I think it was more precautionary, and I think given the thunder and the torrential downpours in Tullamore on Saturday, I think it was probably better off for um, those Tipperary guys to just take that match off, to be perfectly honest. I suppose yeah. we're kind of leading into that quarter final, mm-hmm. into the semi-final, and news this week here, uh, Rory, in terms of Declan Hannon. Limerick have come out immediately. Declan Hannon unavailable for the All-Ireland Hurling semi-final. A big blow again. I'm thinking in terms of Sean Finn. I'm thinking in terms of Keane Lynch, who's on the road to recovery here. But I suppose, Rory, another injury for Limerick to contend with going into an All-Ireland semi-final against a potential buoyant Galway or Tipperary in three weeks' time. I suppose your thoughts there? Yeah, and first thing, of course, is to wish Declan Hannon well in his recovery. Yeah. Um. The just hearing word during the week that it, you know it could be you know that even a an Ireland final might be you know too too close. Uh, it seems to be a serious injury. And uh, from Limerick's point of view, already having Sean Finn missing like it, it does give a headache in in terms of and really tests the depth. Um. I suppose we're looking at if you're looking at options as to what to do next. I suppose there's two or three options during the game the last day Kyle Hayes went to centre back and Colin Coughlin came in at, at left half back wonder there like what for me what you're missing is you're missing Kyle Hayes has more freedom on the wing as we saw against Clare to rampage forward and just that pace as well to stay with runners as they try and you know break the tackle past them and I just thought as well that David Fitzgerald was kept really quiet like Kyle Hayes was winning that battle all ends up and then Last 10 15 minutes, suddenly David Fitzgerald's two points and should have had another one dropped short and started to win ball and cause problems on that side of the field. For me, like Colin Coughlin's superb hurler, I've seen loads of my, had him in underage development squads and also I've seen him playing in a good bit in UL too, like serious striker the ball. And those offer a good bit going forward as well. You're just wondering, like, is he a bit experienced to put in at six and leave Kyle at seven? That's maybe the question, John Kiley. Is wondering looking back, um, because you are losing, you are losing Kyle Hayes's attacking agent the wing. Another option, of course, is uh, Richie English to come in the full back line. Mike Casey go back to his natural full back position, and Dan Morrissey out to six, where he has played a lot of hurling as well in the past. So, um, there are a couple of options from. He'll probably it'll be one of those two that he'll go with. I don't see him, 
you know, I don't see a Keen Nolan coming from nowhere here. It's, um, you know, it's going to be a more conservative approach, I think, and he'll go with tried and, tried and trusted. Again, I, another factor here as well, Mark, is who they'll be playing. And he might have different plans in terms of matchups as to whether you're playing Galway or whether you're playing uh, Tipperary based on what kind of defender you might need in that situation. So that'll be a factor too, I think. So look, it, it, look, it, it's a huge blow to Limerick to lose, you know, two of your six defenders. Like it really puts, especially like, and there's fairness to, to the backs responded really well in the Munster final to Sean Finn's injury. Um, even the last 10 minutes, like you're looking at two blockdowns and Kelly, uh, just every, uh, and a lot of it, I spoke about Claire's misses. A lot of those misses were because they were being put under pressure on the shot. They weren't given that chance space to slide it over. So, look, eh, that was a huge part of it as well. And I don't know if the Limerick backs got the credit they deserved, you know, for, for, for the nuisance, you know, they caused when, when they didn't win possession um, in the last 10 minutes the last day. So, look, it, it, it is a big factor. Did, did did it coincide with Clare kind of coming from five points down back to one at the end, that injury to Hannon? Hard to know, hard to say as well, um, because uh, it was Kyle Hayes when he did go to six, made a couple of those blocks, those significant blocks. So had he been out at wing back um, at the time, you know, we wouldn't know. Maybe there could have been scores. So, um, but overall, yeah, look, it, it does test the depth again. Should Limerick ship another injury in the back line, you know, you really are then going to players that haven't had a lot of game time. Uh, you're going back, you know, Aaron Costello hasn't featured in the championship this year. You know, you are kind of going, or maybe then are you looking at bringing Willa Donahue back a bit further? He, I know at the time, it's, it's just funny, like, um, Declan Hannon, when he has got injured, they've done different things in the past. I remember uh, against uh, Cork one year, uh, Willa Dunhoe went back in at six down in Parky Cueve. Then um, in, uh, when Declan Hannon got injured against Kilkenny, Kyle Hayes went immediately in at six up in 2019. So they have done different things, but I'm sure it'll, it'll be a number of factors at play. And I think opposition will be one of them. And also as well, just um, do you want to upset the team too much to make two or three switches when one switch could be required if you can put a guy directly in at six yeah no i think it's great points there uh, rory and i think really depending on the all-ireland semi-final opponent for limerick i think paul knark and john kiley will have the approach the other curveball i may throw out here um obviously dan morrissey at six you know he's such a i think a talisman for that limerick back line his versatility can go corner wing back full back jesus full package in terms of that I think that could be easy slot in if you needed Kyle Hayes to maraud up forward like he has been doing. But also Barry Nash, that could be the other kind of talking point. He is a playmaker. If we're going to orchestrate from the back, maybe Barry Nash is that guy. Now then you kind of have to identify someone to fill in that cornerback uh, berth as well. So there is options. But again, as you say, two of the starting six um, backs here are now out for Limerick. So it will be opportunity knocks here for whoever comes through this quarterfinal between Galway and Kilkenny, certainly. But I think uh, Limerick, it's next man in, isn't it? That's the mantra. So it will be tested. And, you know, when I heard the press release, it's like, okay, at least that is being released now. There's no real speculation on Declan Hannon now. So I think the team can really knuckle down and focus on a performance here in two weeks' time. I said three weeks' time earlier on uh, before the start of this um, kind of segment. But I think from that perspective, I think it's an intriguing subplot again for this Limerick season to see how they overcome adversity here because I think certain teams will definitely target the half-back of Limerick, whoever it is. But also I felt, you know, Declan Hannon in certain weeks here in the season, the run game, particularly Clare in the Munster final, did try to exploit Declan Hannon, particularly down that middle 
uh, of the defence here. And I think maybe Declan Hannon may not have been 100% here for maybe the last few weeks. And I think it's now the acknowledgement here that there is a fundamental problem and it needs to be sorted out. And wish Declan Hannon all the best. Like, what a leader. And, you know, again, his experience, particularly on match day, will be pivotal here. He will be part of the match day squad, obviously. But again, it's a it's a it's a huge blow for Limerick. It's no point in underestimating it here, uh, for sure. But I think that'll be an intriguing talking point that we'll probably focus in on next week or two, Rory, for sure. I suppose finally, Rory, <laughs> action packed again tonight. The Camogie Championship is kind of well underway here. I suppose you you have um, the third level um, colleges with the University of Limerick this year, so you've kind of a good interest in terms of how the championship is going. So maybe you can fill in the viewers here in terms of how. The championship is fair because I know there's been a few rounds of the round robin so far. And who's impressed you so far? Yeah, the big shock so far was uh, Wexford drawing with Kilkenny in the in the first game uh, in that group. So there's three groups, um, three groups of four at the minute, and uh, the three winners go into semi final stage. Three group winners. So, uh, so yeah, that was a big shock. Uh, Wexford, who hadn't been like competitive at that level for two or three years, come out and draw with Kilkenny. In fact, they'd have been 1B in the league as well. They wouldn't have been even competing against Kilkenny, uh, Galway, Cork, Tipperary were all 1A. Um, so that leaves Kilkenny position where they're playing Dublin this weekend and they have to beat Dublin. Uh, Dublin suffered a big defeat last week. Um, so, you know, it's it's kind of pressure on there. Um, in the other groups then, uh, Clare were very competitive against Galway last week. Um, Clare beat down in round one. Uh, Galway beat Cork in round one, so it was Clare versus um, Galway, and uh, I think there was only three or four points in it for the finish, so it, was, it gives okay. them hope, because Clare now have Cork in a must-win game, um, both teams have lost to Galway, uh, both teams have beaten down, so that's essentially a knockout match um, in Ennis, so uh, you know, you'd be hopeful here that, from, from a Clare point of view, that they're really competitive again, and in with a shout, and then uh, Waterford have been kind of the revelation so far, they've putting up huge scores against teams. They got to an Ireland semi-final last year, as you remember, and they uh, gave Cork a right game in, in the uh, and were very unlucky to lose that match in the Ireland semi-final. So for me, like they were the dark horses when the draw came and I just had a quick look. Um, not that I'm a betting man or anything, but I had a quick look at the odds and Watford were 20 to 1. So I thought that was a, a great price, you know, because remember, as I said, they win their group and I think they've more or less their group won already. They're straight into semi-final now. So, yeah, yeah so... Uh, Big odds there. Yeah, big odds look, and uh, they've been getting stronger every year. Beth Carton, as we know, uh, a real star, is uh, putting up huge scores. Um, she's already 100 points scored for a league and championship, and we're not even out of the group stage yet, like one round to go in the group stage. So 100 points accumulated, um, which is some feat. And uh, look, uh, really, like when it gets from, from this stage on, like you get some really good cracking games, like the standard is country to the roof in Camogie and... Um, you're just hoping as well, like that. There's been very little coverage again, um, and uh, like I suppose with with the amount of football games now taking place with the new football format, um, the round robin, Munster Championship, Leinster Championship, um, is competing with all these for airtime and TV time, and it's just a pity that it doesn't even get its own highlights program, even if it's a thirty minute highlights program, you know, um, because I think that with the standard that's there and some of the the scores that's uh. You know some of the great scoring and team play that's that's uh, evident of these games. It would be great if I had a, you know, an outlet to more viewers. Like, um, but look, that that's for another thing. At the minute, as I said, so a really good round three to look forward to. If you ask me to predict, I think Kilkenny will bounce back and win that group. Waterford, as I said, have their group one, 
And in fact, Limerick and Offaly are playing in what's essentially a relegation match as well. Uh, if whoever loses, sorry, is into the relegation playoffs with down. And um, so that's a big one. Tipperary also uh, had a great league, uh, won the Munster Championship. And uh, they're playing as well. They had a big win over Dublin. So it's Tipperary versus Wexford this week as well. So that's going to be a, a, a huge one too. Uh, can Wexford back up the performance from Kilkenny game? And can Tipperary bring their form from uh, league and also Munster Championship into the All-Ireland? Yeah, so. it does sound like, Rory, we've been talking at the start of the show in terms of the prelims and, you know, the, the some of the counties that have struggled for maybe recent seasons seem to be coming to parity with, you know, the powerhouses like the Kilkenny's. Like I'm thinking of here, Clare, Waterford here, Wexford. Wexford were powerful. They've had a few years in the doldrums. But it does kind of feel to me, looking from the outside in here, that this competition, this championship is very competitive this year. That there's no foregone conclusion here in terms of who's going to be semi-finalists, quarter-finalists here. No, this is the most competitive Camogie Championship in years. Like there was a big tree for the last, I don't know how many years since, since yeah. like Wexford and Tipperary uh, have both kind of faded away in the last uh, decade or so. You had Kilkenny, Cork and Galway, especially in the last few years, winning leagues and championships. And um, they were the big tree going in. But now, like as we said, Tipperary have Munster champions beaten Cork in that, beaten Waterford in that in the Munster final. Um, you know, they have, uh, they have, you know, really stepped it up this year. Wexford, as we saw, round one, can they back that up again? And as we see, Clare have closed the gap as well. Um, so, look, it's just made this championship, you know, uh, a lot more intriguing. And it's not the, for, you know, the kind of format you think where you're going to end up with the big three, like fighting it out for the competition. Like, that's not the case this year. So will there be, you know, new champions for the first time in a long time? I think, you know, they're very well, maybe. Be interesting, if Clare beat Cork, like that's a massive shock for Cork not to get out of the group. You know, home advantage and everything, uh, you know, you'd be hoping for a huge performance there from the Clare exactly. And even Kilkenny as well are kind of in must-win territory as well. So there could be major storylines coming out of this Camogie Senior Championship. And I think you kind of lose it to these round-robin. Maybe does the men's team, uh, tournament have to go the same way? Straight knockout in terms of Munster Senior Hurling Championship, Leinster Senior Hurling Championship, and then play a round-robin, very similar to the football that you have in All-Ireland Series based off round-robin. So I don't know if... Uh, Hurling counterparts can maybe take a listener to offer Camogie, um, you know, association here in terms of that. So, but yeah, look, it's all to look forward to here. And I suppose we'll continue to cover this here. Uh, I forgot uh, to mention as well, Mark Antrim, who hadn't been in the senior championship for a few years. Antrim uh, beat Limerick in round one. So um, Antrim are right in there as well. And to try and qualify, which would be, you know, great news for Antrim. That'd be huge. considering that they're just they up. Up They've won two. They backed it up. They beat off the weekend as well. So they're two instead of two. So they're, they're playing Waterford now for top spot. So, you know, that's another story taking place in the championship. That's huge, considering that they just got promoted this season. So, I mean, they're well and truly consolidating their status. But as you say, it could be a magnificent achievement for Antrim if they can get there. But it just shows the momentum, doesn't it, in terms of junior intermediate, you know, that you can get a team here to really go through the grades here and, you know, really kind of prosper. So, look, I think there's an awful lot of good storylines here. Uh, Rory will certainly focus on this Camogie Senior Hurling Championship um, going forward here because I know we were kind of really focused in on the juvenile underage uh, men's championships. That's all gone now. So let's kind of focus in on this anyway till the end of the season. I suppose, Rory, it's been a lengthy one, but many thanks uh, tonight for the contributions. Uh, great points as always. I suppose next week uh, we'll focus in on the All-Ireland finals here, Rory. We'll see if you're happy or sad after Clare and Dublin. <laughs> 
I suppose the first uh, game on to US Gaily Grounds on Saturday. I suppose we'll also have a look at that Tipperary Galway game. I know a few of my relations to Tipperary will be not talking to me for the rest of the week tipping Galway here. But sure. Maybe they'll be delighted you've tipped Galway if they're coming at it from the oh, Well, that's it, exactly. So I'm based here in Galway. So that, that's, uh, yeah. So look, I think that'll be a cracker. So look, we'll review them, obviously. We'll also look at any intercounty injury news that's coming out of the camps here leading into the All Ireland semi finals. And also look, as Rory has alluded to, an awful lot of exciting storylines coming from the senior Camogie Championship. So we'll have a look at that as well. I suppose, Rory, enjoy the TUS Gaelic Grounds at the weekend and have a good weekend. Cheers. You too, Mark. Take care. All right, Norris. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.